Hi, this is Andrew Farris, and you've been listening to Hayden and B's Welcome to Review R, Part 4. Welcome to Inexos Access All Areas. My name is B, and I will be co-hosting this series of podcasts with my Inexos nerd Hayden Murdoch. We will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in excess, sharing music, tours, videos, albums, and oh, so much more. Well, hello, welcome to Inexos Access All Areas, episode 81, the podcast that aims to dive deep into all things great about this band, help them get to the Rock Hall of Fame, have a bit of fun with my comrade B along the way, and also create a community of fans and latent fans and uber fans who join us on the quest. Hello, B. It feels just like only 20 minutes ago that I spoke to you on another episode. If people could see me pulling my faces at you, trying to put you <laughs> off every week. And I never do. I never fluster. No, you I? never fluster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm partially blind, so when you do oh, it, I can't quite oh, see. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, then. I have just saw your runny sheet, and I am like, oh, my goodness, you have been a busy, busy man, Hayden. Well, you know, we won't jump ahead to the news just yet, but what I would say is that uh, CNN, go out of business, so I might be open up a news company, hence the amount of research for this episode. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> ask me what my week was like. Well, B, very important question. How's your NXS week been? It's been a chock-full busy week. We should probably start off by at least saying to people, thank you, everybody, for your heartfelt contributions <laughs> to the Michael episode. That was just just inspiring and, and motivating. And look, as I said, some people felt a bit hard to, to uh, read them themselves, and yes. but we thank you for sending them to B. Uh, mm-hmm. Those who were, did manage to sort of articulate um, what Michael meant, they were so special to mm-hmm. listen to, you know, some particular, you know, that stood out from others, but, you know, collectively they're all great and they meant a lot to us. And I'm sure, you know, hopefully, you know, Tiger Lily hears this one day and 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 can feel what we felt. Yeah, hopefully. Um, there's one person that I did miss off and it's very special. It's one from David Gaunt. So I'd just like to play that if I can yes, right now. Yes, we did yeah? promise that because David is a intrinsic part of this podcast and we can't leave him out. So go ahead. I can't believe it's been 24 years since you left us, Michael. You're still the greatest frontman I've ever seen. You once said, all are different, all are great, but I'm yet to find anybody as great as you. That was lovely, David. Thank you very much. And also, David was very quick to come back to me last week when we were talking about the baby don't cry and the numbers. Do you remember? Uh-huh. Yeah, yes. yeah. And he said that number 20 is actually, yeah, number 20 off the press. So wow. um, we'll be talking more about that about later, later on, yes. won't we? Absolutely. Yeah. Look, we've come off a, a pretty busy sort of probably 10 days. We had a, the Andrew episode sort of, and Mark Opitz uh, dropped, uh, I think it was probably the Thursday uh, last week. Mm-hmm. Then we went into, you know, the Michael episode for the Monday. Uh, we had the Thanksgiving sort of reboot and sort of a little bit of an add-on for that one on the Thursday just gone. Yeah. And now sort of a, the release of this one on the Sunday, a, a special episode which is really geared towards Andrew and Michael's friendship, which we will elaborate on a little bit later. It's been a busy week in the recording yeah. side and we hope we haven't overburdened listeners with too much content, but you can always listen to it at your own rate and your own time. That's it. Go backwards and forwards and stop and start. Anyway, yeah. you still haven't asked me how my NXS week How has your NXS week been? <laughs> okay, well, Eskimo Joe. Okay, please yeah. share. We did get in, well, someone contacted you. Is that right, Boo? Well, I've, I put the lovely post out about um, the tribute for Michael, the Michael show, and um, I saw Eskimo Joe like here. I thought, oh, that's interesting. So I invited them to become a friend of the podcast. And now, just um, quickly, for those who don't know, Eskimo Joe are hmm. a Western Australian band, and it's yes. essentially were a Western Australian band, but they played at our grand final uh, recently, that's did the right. kick version, mm-hmm. uh, international, well, sorry, uh, national successes like they are, but Cav Templey did do the vocals of look at you on the original sin uh sort of in excess covering themselves album yeah yes yeah that's right so they they are big fans of in excess and i'd just like to say hello to cav and to Kath. Who is the manager, is that right? I think Kath is the manager. So thank you Kath for for, um speaking to us. Mm, That was nice. And then John Stevens. Well 
yeah, I'm going to get to a little bit of John in the news. It might sort of verge oh, on a rant. Really? Okay. So okay. I've, got some, I've got some controversial oh, stuff. On, I might rant not, on it I'm not going to come. No, I mean, I will um, walk, walk on your tail, coattails <laughs> later. Yes, uh, I feel I feel a rant brewing, so I might just save to get it to percolate a bit more. Okay. But um, what we will do is, and we always shall do, is welcome our valued patrons aboard who make this podcast possible. So over you do. I'd like to say hello to everybody outside on the highway. Let's all say hello to everybody outside. It's about ten thousand people at least. Hello. Well, hello to our honorary patrons, Nick Egan, Mark Opitz, Cameron Adams, and Mary Woods. A special hello to Sue D. We are thinking of you, my darling. Joe Robbins, Carmen, Laurie, Carrie-Anne, Danielle. Danielle, we're thinking about you too. I hope everything's going well. Sarah Markham, Sarah Camria, Dr. Jim, Katie, Felicia, Lisa Mack, Lisa Urban, Lisa Calloway, and Marie. Susan P, Susan B, Foxy, Pedro, Mandy, Matt, Linda, Vern, Yvonne, Caroline, Amanda H, Amanda V, Leon, David, Tracy, Paul Jolie, Paul Boozy, Paul Bridges, Paul Buckley, Sandrine, Warren, Ella, Ryder, Tony, Erica, Abigail, Martin, Stefan, Val, Jim, Matey, happy birthday, Kelly, John, Jackie, Sean, Sheila, Shannon, Helen, Brett, Suzanne, hope everything's going well for you, my sweetheart, Glenn, Laurel, Ace, Bad, Genevieve, Ali, Shelby, Manny, Laurie, Jill, Leanne, Peter, and a special hello and welcome to the party to Matthew Kavanagh and Peter Law, aka Laos. those that know there is sort of i think three or four patron sort of levels there's your five dollar monthly that gives you gives you a, a mention on the show we go five then ten which is silver and yep. then, you, then you can enter the competitions yep and then you've got 20 which is gold yep. which means that you can come onto the zoom chats yep. as well and then we have 30 which is we just throw everything at you and you're on. our mates yes <laughs> I always know that I need to throw you on those things because you're good at the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we can sort of say for the next five patrons who do become patrons, obviously there are goodies being thrown in, but Kirk has specifically donated special edition plectrums from his guitar collection. If you don't know what a little plectrum is, it's a little thing that you strum uh, mm-hmm. on your uh, guitar strings. Uh, you will have a Kirk Pengilly plectrum that uh, is part of his personalised collection in your kit bag mm-hmm. uh, as a new patron. So the next five patrons who jump on board will receive those and uh, you can strum like Kirk. All right, well, look, this this particular episode, B, we, uh, we've we come off sort of three episodes with Andrew and with Mark, with the Welcome to Wherever You Are. And we do know for some of those paying close attention, there's two or three songs we still haven't got to yet. And we will get to those. We just had an extra sort of 40-something minutes of footage. And uh, a lot of this is geared around sort of Andrew and his relationship with Michael and touring and and just moments together. And we just really felt that theme-wise, this is probably a little bit more about their relationship, which, you know, led to, you know, the the morale and chemistry they had in, in producing such great music. So I'm really looking forward to how you've edited this together, B, because... A lot of it's really Andrew sharing, you know, quite personal and poignant information just about Michael and the relationship. And you can just see that how such, you know, friends they were and the respect that he still has for Michael. And given Michael did pass sort of, I guess, November 22, we felt like theme-wise this sort of continues the remembering Michael sort of focus of the week. It's interesting to listen to this episode and see from the beginning, the first one that we put out that I wouldn't say that he was guarded, but he wasn't as relaxed as he is in this part. He well, seems very relaxed. And well, um, this even is though probably we were the, coming up to the end, yeah, this is the three hour, fi- still. <laughs> this is the three hour, 15 minute mark now, Yeah, you know, kudos to you, B, but we were able to keep his attention. And I guess mm. over those four hours, the walls came down. <laughs> yes. So maybe it was our Guadamontano, Guadamontano Bay waterboarding interviewing techniques. <laughs> Um, we say that tongue in cheek, but um, we, we we were quite touched with with Mark Opitz afterwards sending an email saying you know 
it was great for him himself. And I think Andrew, for what he sense, to feel so comfortable talking to us. So we think that, um, you know, uh, we got some great moments in this last 40 minutes. We didn't really want to mm-hmm. put in last week's episode. We wanted to stand alone a bit and have yeah. a bit of a, a memory of Michael from Andrew's behalf. So, um, but we do get to, uh, I guess, uh, the end. Uh, back in line and wishing well <laughs> and strange desire or whatever it was we were lacking. So we do get into some of those missing tracks, but looking forward to the topic of the week very soon. But uh, other than that, what's it time for now? It's time for the news. Hi, it's Dave from England and you're listening to In Excess Access All Areas with Hayden and B. and now it's time for the news. Yeah, but we'll have a bit of fun with news of the week. We've got so much news. I thought we'll have to self-edit myself here, and you can help me, I guess, in a way. Uh, we have, I think, 12 news items, so I thought we Woo! might do a, we'll do a countdown, B. So, uh, it's like Christmas, 12 yeah, days so to Christmas. You, you, you sort of do one, and I'll, and I'll go through it. Then you say two, and I'll go through it. So oh, okay. To, to keep it moving on, because Andrew's mm-hmm. the star of the show this week, mm-hmm. we, uh, I'll need a little bit of help in editing myself, okay? So, okay. Uh, right. Start me off, B. Number one. All right, chart news this week. We have seen the album that went back out of the charts from 50 to 53 again. It's had a bounce back, B, 53 to 41. Wow, that's pretty big. Yes, 12 chart spots going up. Oh, do you think because of Michael Parson? Who knows? Who cares? Let's just, let's ride in and and, and celebrate. Let's a bit more. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Next number. Number two. All right. Uh, there was a reissue, reissued article in Rolling Stone America, the actual edition of Rolling Stone America, that uh, in light of Michael's passing, uh, they had a 24th anniversary uh, reissued article from uh, a 2017 article. So a bit like our podcast, they did a reboot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the very last concert Michael ever played with the band was in Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania. So they just highlighted that. And if you do go into that article, there is some footage of that concert if you did yeah. want to check it out. Okay. So, yes, that's something I thought would be worth mentioning. Next one. Three. Okay. Uh, Andrew Farris has been nominated for Heritage Song of the Year at the Australian Country Music Awards. So, Isn't that heartwarming, well, that yeah. little Andrew? I mean, uh, big man. And Andrew. the song <laughs> is within the Kelly gang. Now, for those who don't know Australia, Ned Kelly is our famous Bush Ranger who uh, wreaked havoc and he's been played by everybody from Mick Jagger in films to all sorts of people. But uh, yes, so uh, Andrew's been nominated for Song of the Year at the Country Music Awards. Good luck, Andrew. Heritage Song of the Year Award. I know the other night, a couple of nights ago, there was Live Baby Live live, the Wembley concert on ABC at 8.30 last Friday night. And we have had a lot of feedback fans enjoying that as Mm -hmm. ABC Australia highlights some of the eminent live concert performances in Australia's history. So we hope you enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Uh, next number, B. Number four. I think that was three. Okay, number four. Okay. Actually, that was number four. I think I might have jumped ahead. I thought you did. <laughs> I you, did. You, you We've done three and four then. together. Okay, yeah, next all one. right. Number five. Okay, number five. Don't change. <laughs> the boys in Don't Change are January 29th at Wentworthville amidst many other concerts. Wentworthville. <laughs> Wentworthville, yes. <laughs> I have stayed at a bad motor inn at Wentworthville and mm. uh, it wasn't a very pleasurable experience, but the Don't Change Boys will light, that, light up the you town. You get to all these motels, don't you? Well, yeah, I'm mm. on the road, you know. Uh, but you're also <laughs> going to a, a Don't Change gig in December, so I think we've already mm. promoted that one at Narrabeen. Is that yes, right? Yes, Narrabeen. Okay, next number. Number six. Number six. Okay. Mr. Five was on TV in Australia last week and it had over 250,000 people watch it. Wow. Great. And we hope that 250,000 people are more informed about Michael and yes. what really was the cause of his demise, not the scuttlebug. Yeah. And find out about the petition and go and sign it. Correct. Okay. Yes. Next number. Oh, seven. Okay. Hey, Rangita Paul, okay, who did actually, I guess, do an article and a, and a, a commentary. She's an Australian journalist about the Mystified documentary. Mm-hmm. Well done, Rangita, only taking away all about the dating scenarios of Michael as opposed to the musical substance. So oh. grow oh. up, Rangita. Yes. Okay? Stop being uh, titillating and uh, go re-watch it again and put a more serious article on it. Yeah, love. thanks, love. Okay, next number. Ooh, sorry, eight. Okay. There's a new Duran Duran in excess cover band in the UK, B. <laughs> I think they're doing both. Uh, yeah. What? 
Yes, I will do some research. Why is it one? Is it one of those like? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's got Michael's curly hair on one side, and then it's got some sort of like you know. I remember seeing thing, a you know. great imitation of Annie Lennox and Aretha Franklin. Sisters are doing it for themselves, and, and one the half, half, was, half. <laughs> and Annie Lennox. The other half was blackface. Sorry, but you know it was a great sort of vocal mime of that. But I'll do some research. Okay. okay. Next number. Number nine couple of podcasts to listen to, guys. Uh, one uh, is from our friend John Lemero of The Hustle. There's a lady called Susan Rogers, who was the engineer of Prince's um, major Ooh. album recordings. Oh, interesting. Up until about 1988. So she was involved mm-hmm. with, you know, everything from around, you know, the imminent sort of uh, Purple Rain through yeah. uh, Sign of the Times, Around the World in a Day. She is a really interesting interviewee on his show. Nothing really to do with In Excess. But uh, John Lamoureux's show, The Hustle, uh, the episode on on Prince. I love I that think, guy. He's so yeah, cool, isn't he, John? Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm, I'm definitely going to listen a, to that one. It's a great one. And equally, um, I know we promoted National T-Shirt Day last week, another sort of doco and things as well, more on, a, more on the TV side of things. There was one on our TV shows the other night called Vinyl Nation, and it was about sort of the, uh, it was about record store day and how vinyls had such a resurgence in the last 10 years. It was really born about by the record shop owners in places like Chicago and America, all reinventing, you know, the, the love for vinyl by having this sort of bands get involved and, 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 and come and, you know, Metallica was singing at one of the record stores. And oh, cool. that's actually how this, this vinyl revolution happened. So if you are anywhere around the world and you stream Vinyl Nation, the documentary, it is well worth a watch uh, as well. All right. Number All right, 10. next number. 10. Okay. We also had a contact with uh, management from John Stevens. And apparently the message from the promo team was, uh, John loves the podcast but doesn't want to come on. Why? Why well, doesn't he want to come on? So let me be devil's advocate. It could be a gatekeeper in the sense of somebody in management or promo not wanting to come on. My only thing mm. I would say, if it is sort of John's attitude, we are a bit disappointed because, you know, if, if Kirk and Tim and Andrew from the band can come on and John himself is touring around the country under the NXS banner and the Noiseworks banner, uh, I'd just be disappointed that he wouldn't want to come on uh, mm. just to talk and help us help promote his tour, especially when he's making money from that tour. So that's my five cents worth. I'd like to think that John, if, he, if it was actually him aware of us, he would come on but he has the right to say no, but I think it may be the promo team in the middle saying one thing versus another. Well, on saying that, though, he said he would give us tickets to whatever show we want to Well, go she to. said that, so we'll see. But when mm. you go to the concert B, you bail him up and you you gang tackle him. I will. With, Don't you like worry. You I'm Kirk on stage. Okay. <laughs> and we'll, we'll frame a question. Hey, have you ever heard of Inexus And If he looks blank and says no, you go, okay, cool. This is, right. Yeah, yeah just, just Bernie's promo. Just talking to this mic, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right then, and we're ready for number eleven. All right. Uh, I think the last one here. There is uh, a podcast out there that is ahead of us on the podcast charts. Now we <gasps> roared into the top ten, and it sounds a bit weird us promoting another podcast higher than us. But it's called Death of a Rockstar, and it does deep dives on Kurt, Whitney Houston, Michael, a lot of famous artists who passed away, and I think it's quite mm-hmm. tastefully done. Um, and again, anything that promotes an excess and education and music and appreciation for artists, we're there to, to help. So if you are in podcast bereft world, we've run out of material because you've listened to 48 of our podcasts. <laughs> Here's another one you can jump onto as well. So yeah. that is the news. I shall breathe now. Well done, Hayden. Very good. Hey, this is Tim Farris. Big shout out to Hayden and B. Also want to say hello to all the listeners and NXS fans. Thanks for listening. I love you, Hayden and B. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. This is Ella from Middleburg, the Netherlands. You're listening to In Excess, Access All Areas with Hayden and Dee. And now it's time for the topic of the week. And we lead back into this interview where we left it a few weeks ago with Andrew talking about Michael. I remember Michael sitting on a bus, a tour bus with us, you know, um, somewhere there in 97 and saying quietly to all of us guys, um, I feel safe with all of you. you know? 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that was a really, really a treasured memory for me. And we were like, oh, yeah, have another beer, mate. You know, yeah. Yeah. And Thanks but, for sharing but, that. That's no, really but that to me, yeah. was a very serious thing because mm. I think he felt wherever he went in other places, he'd be chased by people for, you know, whatever reason. Well, everyone's motives, you know, he was in a dark place and things. But I think the lyrical honesty on that record is still striking years later. I mean, you know, the. You know, the song Just a Man, I think uh, you've met Jim, I think, who drew the winning thing out of the hat and you've spoken to him on his podcast, Just a Man, uh, who's a great friend of our podcast and, you know, he's Dr. suffered Jim. some family. Yeah, Dr. Jim, he suffered some family issues, I think, with his brother and that song resonates with right. him and it's such mm. a, a lyrical sort of autobiography, you know, Sweet Sister T and, you know, and just the lyrics are such a... Brilliant album. Yeah. We, we, we'd love to, I mean, look, we'd love to chat to Bruce. Unfortunately, he's not with us, you know, at a future time. If we could talk about our little waste, we might better trim it down from three hours uh, <laughs> like today. <laughs> but we, 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 we would love to talk to you about that one again. Probably the most prophetic, not pathetic, be prophetic lyric. Nostradamus, John. Was this John's lyric uh, here with Michael, or might have been Michael's lyric actually, and John's uh, musical behind it? Back online. What have you got to say on that, Andrew? Um, yeah, great song. I mean, I think uh, you're right. You know, the lyric is quite you know ahead of its time, wasn't it? Really. But I also think that one of the great things about John's writing is that he didn't write really the same as me. Um, in that sense, and that having that, you know, other personality come in on the record um, and that sensibility, you know, is a really good thing. And I think that John and Michael had worked together on the X album a fair bit when they were both living in Hong Kong together. Um, they got sort of more of a, you know, understanding of what they were trying to do together. So I think with Back On Line, I think probably actually, probably John probably would have done more writing, but I think he was very, like we talked about before, I think John and Kirk and Tim Gary all had these other things going on at the time, which was so complicated in their personal lives for whatever reason. But, yeah, um, great song. For yourself, uh, recording-wise, production-wise, Mark, anything to add to that? Um, it's definitely a great song, as has been, been mentioned many times, a prophetic song. You know, as opposed to pathetic song, sorry. <laughs> and which which is, you know, that which takes him in, in a funny way back to Shabu Shabar, yeah. And now we're talking digital from um, old world, new world, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. In the way that was a prophetic song, but you, you have to go back and listen to it now and go, yeah, you're right, that is prophetic. Yeah, yeah. There was a, that, that sort of was, wasn't lost on me, that that element was delving into the future, so to speak, yeah. um, which, of course, you know, is uh, communication does to a degree as well. But um, when they were back online, was a very subdued sort of vibe uh, to do it. It wasn't bombastic in any way, you know, like we've got some bombastic tracks on there. So it well, was, yeah, I mean, that, was stadium, very, yeah, that stadium rock thing you, you both talked about, Mm. Where you know, I mean, hear that sound is a stadium rock type song. It sort yeah. of deliberately escalates to a crescendo yeah. a bit. But well, I just think with this album, what Michael and Andrew and yourself have done with the production side is sometimes I said less is more, less is more, and it's really about the and integrity more is of the song. Too, when you have an huh? and more is more. Yeah. yeah, in that case, but it's it's about the integrity of the song, and the songs themselves seem to be served accordingly. And they're not, you know, you, well, that, I mean, that, that was the idea. Look, you know, from beginning to end. It basically was an album, a non-touring type album. You know, yes. it, you know, it was an album you put out when you're not touring that expresses who you are, and then then oh, okay, we'll tour it later on or whatever. But it was yeah, that's right. The Beatles, reset, the Beatles stopped touring, didn't they? You know, '66. Exactly. You know, and then went into recording. And Andrew said earlier, trying to let's become more of a studio band for a bit. I think because we didn't ever use Sergeant Peppers as a guide or anything. no. But you know, or, or even talk about it, but in a way, it's similar to what the Beatles did. And I'm not saying you know, you can't in excess of the Beatles, you can't compare anyone, the oranges and apples, you know. Yeah. I think it, Kirk it, and the band had recognized that over the duration of the band by 90, say 293, they only had seven albums in the canon and they wanted more, you know. Yeah. I think, well, that, that, that's right, and also not necessarily because you know, uh, for the sake of it to keep recording, but more because. 
you know, I know I would, I know I was probably part of this conversation initially with everybody. And I would talk about it with the band's manager too, as well as the band. But I would say, say to everybody, look, you know, we just played another three month tour, you know, and yeah, okay, we might be, you know, selling some t-shirts or, you know, getting some extra fans or, or whatever Make we're doing. Money. But yeah, mate, you know, sure, making money. But the point I'm trying to get at is like, artistically, I've been sitting there frustrated because I'm like, well, you know, um, you know, let's keep recording and let's do some more recording. Mm. You know, let's just get into it, you know, because um, some of the tours that we would do, like for Listen Like Thieves and Kick and X and all that, some of them are like 12 months, 14 months long. Um, that's right. Huge. Know, it's just ridiculous. You know, that's, you have births, deaths and marriages in between. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, I, can we just get on with it, please? But, but Bono said one time he felt a bit like a door-to-door salesman. You know, you <laughs> go around the world selling your 12 songs door to door. And I guess now with digital and all the different things, it would be a different trajectory and a, and a distribution method these days. But I guess putting things into recording, you've, that is a legacy thing, isn't it? You know, a concert in Tucson, Arizona comes and goes, but at least the recording side in this period. Well, that, that we had, that's, yeah. that's what lives forever, you know. Yeah. That's a statement that's there forever. So you've got to be interesting that Bono thinks of himself as a door to door salesman. <laughs> <laughs> That's the biggest joke I've ever heard. <laughs> well, you know, in that sense. I know what he means. I know what he means. Me too. Me too. I, well, I know well, what he means. But yeah. he's, he's yeah. door to door at a different level. But yes. anyway. <laughs> different neighbourhood. But, it, but it was that cycle, that cyclical cycle that unfortunately when you hit the juggernaut, you go, okay, record for six months, you know, go out and, rec- go out and tour, you know, then recover and then go back through these three cycles again and, um, I admire Prince in many ways. He put an album out every year to the detriment of his record company's attitude towards him, but he really was record, get the stuff out more than... Well, that was always the case. It had been for, for up to this point, really, up till, you know, the 90s. It was, you, you put, did a record every year. Yeah. If you were the Beatles, you did two records every year. Yeah. This big bass of Gary, we think this is Gary's, in our thoughts, one of his best moments, and it's got this sort of salsa rhythm thing going. I don't know if I'm describing it right, but it really is sonically and percussive, a really interesting sound, you know? Yeah, well, you know, one of of my influences as a songwriter and growing up as, you know, um, especially in Western Australia, you know, before I was a teenager, Mum and Dad had uh, Latin sort of vinyl records, you know, or Sergio Mendes and all this sort of stuff. And I liked the rhythms of all that. I, I grew up thinking all, all the kids would listen to this, and they didn't, actually. Um, it was more because of Dad's, you know, uh, sort of, I don't know, I guess he's, he's, he would collect vinyl records in his travels in the Navy, especially including Ray Charles. He had a, a, a vinyl records. Uh-huh. Um and later on, we'd, we'd get to work with Mr. Charles. And, of course, as Mark knows, that was completely surreal. Um, yeah. But the real, the really surreal part of it was performing live on the David Letterman show uh, with yeah. Mr. Charles and um, on the David Letterman you know, show was freezing. And, and I, I was sitting there playing keyboards going, you know, um, from a kid growing up having, you know, dad's vinyl records and I'm now on, on the David wow. Letterman show playing in, a in front of the genius, I'm like, what on earth am I doing? And yeah, you know, now that feeling. Was Dennis, <laughs> your father, still alive then to see that, uh, Andrew? Oh, he may have watched it on television, but he wasn't, okay. in, he wasn't in New York. No, no, no. I just want to know if he got to see it. That was all in terms of on TV. Yeah. I, I, I hope so. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Dad for good reason, you know, was probably quite worried about us brothers and what we were doing in the early years. It's like, when are you guys going to get a job one day or something? <laughs> yeah. um, you know, um, but I think it all worked great in the end. Um, but I, I think, uh, you know, all parents worry about what their kids, you know, are going to end up doing, I'm sure. But um, I think it's more that 
what I was trying to say was with Strange Desire, I think for me, uh, you know, when I was putting the song feel of that together, you know, I, I constructed a lot of that uh, initially with, uh, I think, drum machines and, and programming and whatever I was doing, um, keyboard, bass and the guitar hooks and riffs and things. Um, but I also liked blending, which I'm not sure I'd ever heard before, blending the funky you know, salsa, so samba sort of feels with more of those um, soaring keyboard sounds. I wasn't quite sure I'd ever heard anything like that before. You know, actually having the, the dichotomy of, and I loved the way that Denny Hines would do the, you know, the, the, the soft melody that would come in. And I was like, wow. When Absolutely. I it. It's a great point, Andrew, great point. You know, and I just thought, so I, I'm not sure I've ever heard anything like this exactly. You know, no. um, you know, I, know this, I love that. I, I love that. It's totally. And what am I? What am I listening to? You know, this is uh, the structure. Um, there's this interesting structure of the song. You can't get bored of it, can you? You want to keep playing I think it. John's a star of that song as well. You know, and Michael, everyone's a star in that song. You know, it's yeah. Safe. But I think it feels, you know, it feels like it emanate from that Shibusha Bar influence. You got this interesting. Uh, and again, I don't always know how to articulate things, but the chorus of where Michael almost riffs away, Strangers Are, Take Me Over, it's almost like this paragraph of fast vocal delivery that comes yeah. up on a few songs on Shabu and on this album. That feels like an interesting, I think even Disappear, the chorus has this interesting sort of fast, quite vocal of a paragraph and mm. it's not the centrepiece of the song, if you know what I mean. It's yeah. it, it's sort of the chorus, but it doesn't feel like the chorus. It's just an interesting thing from a listener's point of view you know well i i think mark probably might have a comment on this too um but i always found especially with working with michaels as, as a fellow songwriter as a co-writer that we were very coming from very different angles a lot of the time where i was sort of thinking in musical harmony terms because i'm a musician as well as a songwriter and singer and i'd play things and whatever but because Michael's voice was his instrument, he didn't have any problem with saying, well, I don't care what other people have done in the past. I'm going to do this. he just go there, you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? As a writer. And and I was really, really hugely impressed with that my whole career as a mm. songwriter with him is the way, you know, he wasn't, he didn't do things that other people would do. He, you, he yeah. would go, I'd go, I'd, I'd go, that's absolutely brilliant when he did it. I'd just say, that's so clever. So you have John... You know. I think Elton John said that he gets the lyrics from Bernie Taupin and writes in reverse. He writes the song after getting the lyrics. And I guess there's so many ways to do it. How, how did you and Michael, I guess, within the lyrics and things like that? Well, that's very interesting. I actually met Bernie Taupin in a lift and I set out on, in King's Cross once and had a coffee with Michael and Elton out on the street and nobody recognised Elton and Michael. It was quite surreal. Quite surreal. But anyway, um, but with uh, funny enough, I write like that now. I'm actually writing a lot of lyrics first. And then I get that right part of it right because I don't have the luxury of having such a great lyricist as Michael. I, I'm my own lyricist and I'm feeling more confident about that. But that's pretty much how I'm writing now is I write the lyrics first and then I, I construct the idea of the song around to suit it. I don't know. Mark probably saw this too. Going from Shabu Shabar, say, all the way through to Welcome and then on to Full Moon and right towards the end, Michael changed his the way he would structure things and sing even, you know. I began to notice it more and more, um, mainly when Mark started the process, like, of major change, I think, with Michael vocally in Shabu Shabar, recording of that. And Mark was by far the most experienced record producer we'd ever worked with, and I could hear it in everything. I could hear it in the guitars, the drums, the you know, the, the attention to arrangements, to the Michael's vocal, suddenly I was like, who's this guy? Even though we'd made two albums, you know, he, he was suddenly coming into his own as a vocalist, like Mark said with Jan's song. But I especially also give that credit to, to Chris Thomas too, who, you know, um, also played a very pivotal role in, in Michael's career as a singer, where he his experience with, you know, with the Beatles or with other people he'd worked with, um, Pink Floyd, you know, on Dark Side of the Moon, all this stuff he'd done, you know, and, and the Sex Pistols and all the rest of it, huge careers that he'd had with people that I began to notice that, you know, Michael 
was beginning to realize that, hang on a minute, you know, I'm no longer, you know, at the starting gate as a young guy. I'm now getting into my prime as a, as a famous rock lead singer. And I need to, you know, um, make sure that everything I'm doing is really like exactly where I want to be. Vocal. He had confidence. He, 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 he developed confidence. It's, it's, it's what I noticed about his, in terms of what you're saying about me noticing it. That's what I noticed during his career, you know, particularly up, he, he had this inbuilt confidence, which was totally on display at Wembley. I mean, you got a measure of just how far he'd come from that con forget everything else about Wembley, everything, you know, great show, all that. Just his vocals on that had shown how far this guy had come. I sing it, but he had a confidence now. So he was willing to try things. He was he, he just decided, yeah, do that, you know. I mean, towards later, it was a pity about the accident, you know, when we uh, pre-full moon, because that, that did rob a lot of Michael from, from himself, not just yeah. from 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 himself and and gave his confidence a bit of a kick in the butt you know in a different way but that yeah, andrew's absolutely right you know you, there, there was just development of michael as a singer is what you can put it down to was it's, to me it's, it's all about confidence and not only that the beauty of playing every 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 night you're, that's again so much rehearsal so much practice in yeah. the real in the real world of performing mm. not in some rehearsal room you, you vote your muscles like any muscle develops, you know, in, in, around here in your throat. So to add all that up and, you know, Andrew's spot on, you know, amazing development, amazing development. Two, one of my, one of the favourite things I've ever been associated with was the Good Times recordings that we did with Jimmy Barnes. I loved that. That was fantastic. And Mark was a major part of that. Uh, thank you. And, but also... The live uh, Australian Made concert when I love watching that footage and of course you know I was was a big Divinals fan and a Cultures fan and and the other acts that were on of course the Saints and, and so many oh, my yeah that's right all talented people but that that what I call um, the sing off between Jimmy and Michael in good times I just sit there smiling when I'm watching yeah great going I just go God bless you Michael because. There's not too many people that can keep up with Jimmy. And he did and he he, he he more than kept up with him, mate. Jimmy had to keep up with Mark. You see them both smiling, knowing that it's not a it's not a bad competition, but there's a competition. Oh right? yeah. You yeah. can see that smile. We've got this between you and me. You're gonna make me work. We got this. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, I, and I won't say who, but another very well known, you know. Identity had said the same thing to me not you know that long ago, and I said, "Yeah, I know." And I remember that with a lot of fondness. I think, I think with Strange Desire, the other thing that I particularly is interesting about that particular song is that if in and I'm going to say this, if In Excess had made a whole album like Strange Desire that had all of those just you know kind of combinational funk and and all of that you know running as a as samba or salsa through the entire album it would have been the record company would have hated us but i think i think it would have just been through the roof later on because you know but didn't chris, chris want to get you down to the caribbean to a reggae album not oh, we, no, we, look we ended up well yeah you know but uh, that that would would have been great but I, I think we did spend quite a bit of time in south america uh, in excess and survived, I should add. Um, oh, yeah, I remember what. Oh, boy. Am I watching Tina? Yeah. Go on, tell us. Um, oh, it's no. In the, it's in the oh, miniseries. Well. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I remember, you know, the first time we went to play in, in Buenos Aires um, in 1984, of course, you'd had the Falklands War in 1982. And I remember staying with my British family uh, in London and watching the Falklands War. Next minute, two years later, um, you know, I'm on stage in front of 20,000 people in Buenos Aires and they had had the terrible, you know, dictatorship and the awful things were going on in the same football field that we were performing in. And I was aware of this when, when I walked out on stage. And then, of course, they weren't, you know, they weren't stadium savvy. They weren't used to rock bands and huge big gigs. And, and we, I think we were the first band to play there possibly ever on a yeah. big, yeah. And so... 
they started rioting and they started grabbing like dirt down on the ground because they was they wanted to be free and they were oh. throwing the earth up in the air. God. And I remember just looking at this sort of brown haze in front of us, going, "What is that all about?" When I realised it's they're just wanting to be free and throwing like earth up in the air and 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 just you know demonstrate that they're free to to party, you know. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you know it got a bit strange. The riot police were down the front hitting people and. And I think Michael may, may have accidentally hit one of these people with his microphone stand. And so they pulled us all off stage. And there's all these people with automatic weapons telling oh. us to stand there. Uh, it was really frightening. And then I yeah. think one of, I think our American tour manager who's passed away now at the time, uh, Bruce Patron, had come over and he was very clever. And he said, you know what? The way to solve this is the band's got to go back on stage. You know, everything will calm down if you do that, you know? And I'm like, genius, as the guy says yeah, it. Right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. we did. We walked back on stage going, hi. Um, can everybody move, you know? But, but we have yeah, something completely different. Yeah. But, and, that, and what we're talking about with Michael, you know, as a, as a lead singer, he saw all of this. He wasn't on a reality television program. He lived all of this sort of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and and people would underestimate him. They would think, oh, this is some little pussy that uh, just we got lucky and made, so, you know, had a couple of hits. And I was like, you should be careful when you're talking to this guy in real life, you know, and he's in your face because he's going to tell you exactly what he thinks of you. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, bless him. <laughs> Absolutely. And I always had that respect for Michael, and I saw it from other major, major artists and singers who, who Michael would talk to and befriend and, you know, he, they were his friends and, and, and colleagues or what's the other word, um, you know, uh, peers. peers. Uh, peers. Yeah, yeah, I mean, peers, one, of, yeah. one of the things we, we've just sort of noticed through doing all of this stuff is that no one really in the entire industry uh, of musicians or whatever ever has a bad word to say about him and, 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 and even, though, even those who knew him sparingly, he always seemed to... I mean, you, you look at, you know, he could hang out with Nick Cave, you know, yet, you know, the the, the circle of friends and influence and people around him oh, was, so, was so complimentary. Okay. And they end up working together. Yeah, know? yeah. So, I mean, he was the harbinger between those two really, wasn't he, you know? Yeah, but then again, Kylie's on one end of the scale, Nick's on the other end of the scale. Correct. Yeah, this is exactly. And what, and what exactly. brings them together? Michael. Yeah, I, I would, sorry, I just want to add to that, that I think, you know, one of the great things with Michael as a, as a man was it forgetting about the entertainer and awesome singer that he was and all that? But as a man, he he didn't necessarily judge anything too harshly till he gave it a try. Like he would look at people or situations. He didn't go into it, you know, with a lot of preconceptions. Sometimes he and I think that was a great thing that In Excess had with in many ways, not just that, but with Michael as a lead singer and 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 within the media context you know, where he had gone to high school in the United States. When we started performing in the United States, the Americans were impressed by the way he, a deep understanding for their culture. It wasn't necessarily throwing a shrimp on the Barbie mate. No. Um, yeah. He would clearly that, understand. He was an international man. That, that was and okay. growing up in Asia, he understood mm. people in different parts of the world. Mm. Yeah. It's an advantage, a sad advantage, but an advantage nonetheless that he went to live in the United States as a young child. Yeah. You know, his surroundings weren't too great, but you're right, that would have given him a grounding of understanding that place by the time you got there. You know, but to place. me, what I've read and what I hear from the band, he had a natural empathy for people also. And Andrew did say, you should be a singer. It would have been easy for you back in that era, Andrew, to milk the Australian, you know, uh, aspect of things. I mean, we had Men at Work, we had Crocodile Dundee, all these different things. But I think true to in excess is that this, why I think this music stacks up now and X X many years later is the fact that the sound uh, is international and you didn't trade off a sort of a jingoistic sort of, uh, you know, kangaroo. And you were proud of your heritage, but you didn't sort of thrust it as a marketing ploy. Well, no, that's right. And also in the era that we were, when we were doing what we were doing in the day, 
the opposite of what it is now um, in, in the sense of, and there's many examples I could give you, but just for example, I think it's incredible now in, in this era of we're talking to each other through this, you know, technology and, and able to communicate like we are now. And you can have a young singer songwriter, say from Australia who wants to be a country star, get off a plane uh, when of course they can uh, in, in, in Nashville and walk into an office. And because they're Australian and because they're, you know, they've got a funny accent and they, they can write a few clever little lines, they'll put them up as a big star, uh, you know, instantly like that. That wasn't the way it was when we were doing what it was. And the only way you could do what you do is you had to prove, you know, and push through and sustain that kind of intensity before people go, okay, you know, we'll give you a go. You guys look pretty good, you know. You really had to do that. There was no second choice, you know, but by the same token, I think that, that with technology and the doors opening, you know, with modern, you know, uh, platforms uh, for people to, with social media and to be able to, uh, you know, sell themselves and their music um, internationally, it's incredible. Great for young people, you know, brilliant. Yeah. I'd just like to thank you both again for all your time and a little bit over than what we expected to. So I'm very, very humbled by um, all of your stories today. It's been fantastic. So thank you. And I hope to have you on again. Hopefully when we do Elegantly Wasted, it sounds like that would be quite fun to do together. Thank you for having us. And it's been great also to see my, my old good friend, Mark, Opets on on the program, if I can call it that, yeah. and the show, whatever it is. And um, <laughs> I hope you you're all well and your families are well, and we'll talk soon. Uh, also, would like to thank uh, Mark for I think uh, first of all, from a musical and artistic leap from the second album to the third album was a massive leap, and I think, uh, and we're not denigrating the pro albums, but also from X going into Welcome, I think an artistic leap in terms of something that became what it has. I wanted to say just on behalf of all of our listeners and being everybody there, thank you, Mark, for challenging the band and, and doing what you did for this particular album like you did for Shubu Shabar. So thank you for that. Well, thanks for saying that. But the, the, the thing is, it's, it's only as good as a band. You know, that's the thing. We're all human beings. It's not as if I'm dealing with six inanimate objects. You know, I'm dealing with real people who are giving me stuff. I'm the lucky one. You know, I was the one that was there at the right time that could be part of the chemistry. Uh, and, I, and I've said I've done albums, and so many albums over my life, but the one I'm most proud of, I'd have to say, you know, my studio album is definitely Welcome to Every Life. For a lot of reasons, it's not just about the songs. It's more than that. It's much, much more than that. It's, it's about the, the time, the people, uh, the talents, the friendships, the era, there was everything about, for me, just with Welcome to Every Year, I was such a great time. And, I mean, I'm on record as saying if you want to get in excess, go by Wembley you know, and you'll see in excess. But for me, the, the, the great musical piece of, of in excess for me is Welcome to Every Year. And, yeah, it could have been a lot different, could have gone this way, could have gone that way. But what we managed to capture in, the, in that moment of time, in that period of time, under those conditions, I'm most proud of. Most proud of the fact, that, you know, and particularly the ability to work with Andrew and Michael so closely, you know, and, and have my thoughts heard is, is, is brilliant. So from myself personally, Andrew, and also from our listeners and probably B as well, uh, we thank you for, uh, you know, providing the soundtrack to our youth and, uh, and to our now middle ages. It's, it's interesting. I never thought that a podcast like this, we would have so much material and we're still going and we're going to keep going with it because part of one of our missions is, is a yes, to get the band into the Hall of Fame and things like that. But I also think that as I grew up as a guy in my early 20s, I felt the media misrepresented the band's most creative years and, I, I, you know, it's been one of the great pleasures of my life today being on this episode because I'm hearing certain things I never knew and and our podcast aims to correct some of the misnarratives at the time. But, you know, I think what, you you know, the music you've done is timeless in the sense. It still connects with people. And I think, you know, what you said about, you know, since 2011, you, you're really right. I mean, it's, you know, uh, those artists must have given you so much immense confidence and pride to hear them come to you. I mean, even I think you toured with Beck, and he said, I don't want to go on last. 
<laughs> and he's done a whole album of Kick. You've probably seen that or heard that yeah, too. I've, I've seen Beck's, you know, uh, yeah. Kick album. With St. Vincent in the studio. And like, he, sure. he didn't want to go on the last, did he? He wanted you guys to go on when you no, talked. No, I can remember being in Atlanta and Michael and I were talking to Beck for quite a while. I like him. I like his music. He's quirky and mm. interesting guy. Um, but I, I think, um, yeah, you know, um, you know, I've got a lot of respect, but I also want to say that um, one saying that Michael used to have a lot, and especially in the early years, is whatever we do, let's just make sure that in excess matters to people. And I would like to think that one of the great legacies that we're discussing right now is that, yes, he and we did somehow. He you know? did. And, so, and that was a nice way, see, that's what I was saying before, to think of Michael instead of a, in a tragic way, just think, yeah, he, you know, he accomplished what he really wanted to do. You know, we, we've taken, yeah, we've taken that narrative with the show. We, um, when we talk about, you know, when we talk about November twenty, November twenty two, we don't talk about it in a morbid way. It mm. is we're at that point of celebratory uh, stuff now, um, acknowledging and and keeping the memories alive of the good things because, as I said before, boy, you know. He lived 100 years and 37 years. You know, I, that's where I look at it now. He had a great life and lived so much and did so much that men like me are jealous and the women out there, they were jealous. <laughs> and uh, we, we, we love him and miss him, but we embrace him, you know. You know, you talk about the effect that it's had in excessive music and where it's gone and everything like that. The other thing you've got to remember is the effect that it's like, yeah, never tear us apart. How many times has it been played as first dance at the wedding? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's been their song. It may, and and the, the, when they listen to that song, they get tears in each eyes for each other. It's not about the band. Mm. Now, to have that effect, to be able to go and change someone's life with a song that you've done and yet change it, you have no idea how many people, Andrew, that you personal thing that means so much to them and that they will have for the rest of their lives, might not be you, but it's their wife or their husband or their kids or whatever. You've created that. Well, Michael said one time, you know, how do you get a sound like in excess? Well, you grow up listening to Led Zeppelin and uh, Aretha Franklin on the same radio station or Metallica or something like that. And that's why I love music because if I'm in a funky sort of mood, I can put on kick. If I'm in an introspective mood, you know, I might be able to put on, you know, something off Welcome or Shabu. If I'm in a bit of a rock, I want to put the fist out the window. I'll put on Listen Like These with the crunching, Kiss the Dirt. I mean, there's so many emotions attached to the music. And I think that is something that probably meant the band was hard to pigeonhole in America and places, but is why I guess we have what we have, which we're appreciative of. Great. And I thank you. Thank you, guys. And, um, and hopefully we'll talk soon and uh, have a good rest of the weekend. So great to see my old mate, my old workmate, my old friend, family for that matter. We've known each other for so, for so long, for so long. And, uh, and what a great vehicle we have here with these guys helping us to, uh, come, to bring us together to talk about something we both loved and did together, you know, and we all did together. It's So thanks to Hayden B. You do a great job, as yeah. I've said. I want to also thank, yeah, from all the fans as well. There was many fans that wanted to um, send audios to me to ask you questions. We can't do that at the moment because we've just run out of time. But as a fan engager off the podcast as well, you've got thousands of people daily talking about In Excess and the love of your music. So your music matters to a lot of people. Thank you, sir. No worries. (laughs) You take care. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye. Okay. Safe travels. Thank you, everyone. God bless. See you, Andy. Love you, mate. Bye, mate. Same. Same. I feel a lot of love in this room. This is Sheila from Birmingham, Alabama. Hey, this is Susan from Cincinnati, Ohio. Hi, this is Maite from Montreal, Canada. This is Suzanne from Los Angeles, California. And that's a wrap. Well, Dee, what an interview that was. Uh, it feels like it's a, been a month of uh, debriefing everything we sort of put together. Um, and right at the end there, we had one Michael uh, to another. We had Michael Keaton, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A movie there, so there's a lot of love in the room. <laughs> that was funny. Where, was. What film was that from? That was from a movie called Night Shift, uh, Michael's oh. uh, actual debut. Was it? 
Yeah, and uh, yeah, the you know if you watch the whole scene, it's probably a little bit more lewd than that. But uh... it was very sexist, actually. When I looked at it, I thought, "Oh, right, okay, yeah. is this your type of film? Is it Hayden?" Well, it was 1982, and I was a little <laughs> sort of you know twelve year old running around. So, but uh, yeah, a lot of love in the room, and Michael uh, Hutchins, Michael sort of episode there with Andrew and Michael mm. Keaton chipping in with that little uh, quote. I thought it was uh, uh, mm. a good way to go, but. Um, yeah, we again thank Mark and 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 uh, Andrew for their you know uh, contribution over that little journey, and we hope the listeners out there for the last month have enjoyed listening to it how we listen to it. Yeah, it's been a bit of a marathon, hasn't it? The last six weeks, so yeah. it's like no, it's time to breathe. I'm quite looking forward to next week and we can have a bit more fun. Yeah, well, I think we said to Andrew, we'll, we'll we'll make Full Moon Dirty Hearts only a three and a half hour one. <laughs> yeah, right. I I like to see how that goes. <laughs> He's earned some respite, and so is uh, Mark as well. But um, well, all right, we're going to go into fan engagement, but we've got a lot to sort of announce today, a couple mm, of really exciting milestones and things. Mm, mm. I think I think I do need to um, say um, all the people's name that, names that um, came out for tribute. So is that okay if I just yep. name yeah. everybody? Yep. Okay. In no particular order, I'd like to say a big thank you to Susan Lynn, Glenn Davis, Sarah Camier, Alicia Weary, Susan Purvis, Laurie, Matey, Manny, Leanne, Bono, Simon LeBon, Kirk, Rob Thomas, Timmy, Tim Rogers, Ella, Richard Lernstein, Laurel, Richard Simpkins, Nick Egan, Genevieve, Davy Gaunt, Foxy LaFierce, Carmen and Michael Stripe and anyone else that I might have missed off, I do apologise, but thank you all. All right, B. Well, uh, there is obviously a, a big announcement today. Uh, I think at the time of recording this week, uh, how timely was it that the Michael Andrew Mark episode tipped us over fifty thousand downloads? Oh. So, so uh, yeah, maybe in the broader scope of the podcast world, it's uh, not Joe Rogan esque, but for us, we're very, very proud of that number. And really, it's uh, you guys are the ones who have done the downloading. So we're very proud and thankful to you. I know you'd probably like to add something as well, B. Well, I asked my 12-year-old what type of stadium. He says, well, Coffs Harbour Stadium, mum, holds 30. I says, what? We're nearly up to two stadiums in Coffs Harbour. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, we had about 50,000 people protesting in our city yesterday. About, oh, really? About so uh, we had a, a protest amount of uh, podcast equivalents. So. <laughs> All right. Well, I have got another list of people. So I hope you're on this list. And if yeah. you are, come and say hello again to us. That would be really nice. So I'm going to take a big, big deep breath and a big list of just, people. Just quickly, these are some people who aren't patrons but have just no. congratulated the, the, the mm. staff and have been good listeners we'd like to say hello to, yeah? Really good listeners. Thank yep. you. You pop up now and again, so it's about time I give you a mention. Okay, big list. So we have Philip Endrisi, Christy Batram, Jimmy Guest, Jerry Schultzton, Justine Mickham, Janine Moore, Elaine Rivia, Bobby Jacobs, Scott McIntyre, Jason Taylor, Sean Cole, Stephen Edder, Alison Wright, Teresa Harmon, Nadine Hutchinson, Erika Copps, Cherie Summers, Guy Williams, Kathy Howenson, Marsha Wilkinson, Melody Marikovic, Karen Can, Cheryl Zinkas, Brian Ledford, Joanne Graham, Lynn Bush, David Sillens, Ben Light, Sula Happus, Cheryl Ann, Lisa Thompson, Charlene Joy, Mel Vich, Rob McKins, Jamie Acroft, Paula Maria, Gareth Williams, Leone De Stefano, Deirdre Jeanette, Michelle Hargreaves, Jennifer Dennett, Isabel Nira, Dean Caraf, Jill Cinerali, Aldwin Tarona, Anita Knight, Scott Burgess, Kathy Paul, Alan Alexander, Els Dennis, Darren Wellsby, Amantha Wood, Tanya Spenner, Jennifer Foster, Paul Drew, and Kelly Wilson. Hi. 
Now, we have probably, we think, our, our most exciting auction item that uh, I think we may have referenced a little bit earlier, David Gaunt, great friend of the program, did, I think, authenticate the authentication. We have a Baby Don't Cry vinyl single that is uh, the number, tw- well, I think it's one of about 20 that uh, exist in the world and on the planet. Now, this comes from Tim's private stash collection from 30 years ago. It has been sent and received by Andrew and will be signed by him and Mark Opitz as a sort of a legacy of this four-week sort of uh, series of episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a vinyl never to be, never been played before, a vinyl single of Baby Don't Cry, uh, and will be commemorated by uh, signatures from Andrew and from Mark to you. And uh, we're going to be launching this particular auction, and we are so excited. Uh, if a send a message can generate what it did we think this one hopefully can go higher so we'll be very excited for the winner to have a very prized rare item in their collection okay hayden i'm going to be pressing the button on that auction right now five four three two one thunderbirds are go We've got a bit of a special announcement before we go into our tribute song today or exit song. Uh, a great patron of the podcast uh, had some very, very bad news and sad news this particular week. Now, thankfully, no one perished and things like that, but um, one of our patrons, unfortunately, had their house burnt down through an accident, through no fault of anybody, and everyone's safe, which is great. But um, as you would appreciate, all the lifelong you know, uh, ornamental, memento, photos, everything's gone, and I guess equally within that is the NXS collection has gone as well. Um, mm. And, you know, we her name is Sudi and she's been yeah. a great sort of contributor to our sort of uh, uh, journey so far. And we thought what we might do as a sort of community is uh, band together and see if we can sort of uh, do a little bit to sort of restore her collection. And we thought, you know, th- here in Australia, anybody who's listening who has a spare copy or a second copy of something or, you know, wants to go down to a record store or, or whatever, and uh, buy something, they could send it to, to, to B and we'll bag up all of the little goodies and send them over to her. But if you are based in North America, which is where she is, or in the UK or Europe, uh, it may be cheaper that we can sort of uh, put an address on our, our site or on one of our platforms. Yeah. And you could send something directly to her if you felt inclined. Yeah. You know, not compulsory. We're not here to micromanage it, but we just felt that as a community, we would love to get around her. All and, together. Uh, you know, do yeah. Something we, mm. Yeah. Just do something we can do to replace, but... Over to you, B. Anything else you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, Sue D has been a massive fan and she's big friends with the band from right from the very early start when they went to America. She followed them around. She has a great collection. I mean, we can't replace all the beautiful photographs that she's taken. It'd be really nice if you have got a duplicates or you have got a yeah. bit of money you can put something together for her yep so get in touch with myself or hayden yeah. on the facebook and um, we'll direct you on um, um which yeah. way to look, go, so, really. so you might even have old formats you don't use anymore like mm. tape and vinyl or you might yeah. have a, a, a duplicate of something or your local store you know mm. uh, has some some obviously in excess product there but yeah. um, we would love to just sort of do our little bit if we could yeah. do one thing um mm. you know thankfully she has insurance and all those things but you can't mm. insure memories and you can't insure collections yeah. you know yeah. and hayden so, and i are already donating her a box from um mary woods so yep. that'll be a great start for her at least she's yeah. got something there that can start her off all i love um sudi Yeah, well, uh, we thought in light of uh, this particular album, we've gone through a lot of the tracks uh, uh, from the album. And, and I guess over the last you know, couple of, uh, well, last sort of 50, 60 episodes, I think we have played some B-sides uh, from this album, uh, be it 11th Revolution from Tim during his episode. I think we might have played Deepest Red in one of the earlier John episodes. But we thought given Andrew uh, has gone down a solo pathway, uh, we're going to play one of Andrew's B-sides uh, from uh, the Heaven Sent single, which I guess was part of the Welcome album. Uh, and the song probably sums up our feelings and society's feelings over the last 12, 18 months, be around the world. It ain't easy. No. Uh, and <laughs> uh, has ever a lyric back then been so appropriate now? Andrew's getting into a sort of a, 
uh, a bit of a Lou Reedish sort of um, three three and a half minutes sort of uh, opining of just life and how things aren't always easy, but it's got a bit of a dance feel to it. And uh, it's probably uh, where Andrew uh, stepped up a little bit in terms mm. of solo songwriting and mm. uh, voc- uh, doing some vocals uh, on this, uh, well, this period of In Excess. So we're going to go out with It Ain't Easy. It's a goodbye from me, B. And it's a goodbye from B. Bye, everybody.